Good evening. A verdict in the murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. The NYPD lets a cop off the hook who shot an unarmed black man in his own home. And the first 420 with legal pot in New York. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. Just moments ago, a Minneapolis, Minnesota jury returned guilty verdicts for the white former police officer charged with murder in the killing of George Floyd, who is black. Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, listened without expression as Judge Peter Cahill announced guilty verdicts in the charges of second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree depraved mind murder, and second-degree manslaughter in the explosive case that triggered worldwide protests, violence, and a coming to terms with racism in the United States. All right, for the jury. All right, please be seated. Members of the jury, I understand you have a verdict. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, Count 1. Court File Number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 1, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count two, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Jury four-person, 019. Members of the jury, I'm now going to ask you individually if these are your true and correct verdicts. Please respond yes or no. Juror number two, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number nine, are these your true and correct verdicts? Yes. Juror number 19, are these your true and correct verdicts? And that is today's uh, dramatic events at the Hennepin County Courthouse in Minneapolis, Minnesota. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris called the Floyd family after the verdict. The 12 sequestered jurors considered three weeks of testimony from 45 witnesses, including bystanders, police officials and medical experts, along with hours of video evidence in the most high profile United States case involving accusations of police misconduct in decades. After the verdict was read, Chauvin was handcuffed and led out of the courtroom in custody. The eventual sentence depends on whether Judge Peter Cahill accepts factors the prosecution claims aggravated the circumstances of the killing of George Floyd. Since Chauvin has no previous conviction, he could be sentenced to as little as 10 years or as much as 40 years. And we have a we will go soon, hopefully, to a live report from the White House where demonstrators from Black Lives Matters are gathering. So we're going to go to that as soon as that call goes through. In the meantime, 
outside Cup Foods where the killing occurred. The street, now known as George Floyd Plaza, is filled with citizens. It's at this location nearly a year ago. Police arrived after a complaint that alleged counterfeit $20 bill used by George Floyd allegedly was used by George Floyd to buy a pack of cigarettes. The officers confronted Floyd in his car, eventually forcing him onto the pavement where he was held under Chauvin's knee for what came to be known as nine minutes and 29 seconds as bystanders, including a nine-year-old child, pleaded for the officers to stop. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison says the verdict vindicated the witnesses who fought, who, who saw and filmed the encounter with the cops and spoke out against Chauvin's actions during the trial. The people who stopped and raised their voices on May 25th, 2020, were a bouquet of humanity, a phrase I stole from my friend, Jerry Blackwell. A bouquet of humanity, old, young, men and women, black and white, a man from the neighborhood just walking to get a drink, a child going to buy a snack with her cousin, an off-duty firefighter on her way to a community garden, brave young women, teenagers, who press record on their cell phones. Why did they stop? They didn't know George Floyd. They didn't know he had a beautiful family. They didn't know he had been a great athlete, and they didn't know he was a proud father or that he had people in his life who loved him. They stopped and raised their voices and they even challenged authority because they saw his humanity. They stopped and they raised their voices because they knew that what they were seeing was wrong. They didn't need to be medical professionals or experts in the use of force. They knew it was wrong and they were right. These community members, this bouquet of humanity did it again in this trial. They performed simple yet profound acts of courage. They told the truth and they told the whole world the truth about what they saw. They were vindicated by the chief of police, by Minneapolis's longest serving police officer, and by many other police officers who stepped up and testified as to what they saw and to what they knew. What happened on that street was wrong. We owe it and we owe our gratitude to fulfilling their, we owe them our gratitude for fulfilling their civic duty and for their courage in telling the truth. To countless people in Minnesota and across the United States who join them in peacefully demanding justice for George Floyd, we say, all of us, thank you. In the coming days, more may seek to express themselves again through petition and demonstration. I urge everyone to honor the legacy of George Floyd by doing so calmly, legally, and peacefully. I urge everyone to continue the journey to transformation and justice. It's in your hands now. I also want to address the Floyd family, if I may. Over the last year, the family of George Floyd had to relive again and again the worst day of their lives when they lost their brother, their father their friend. I'm profoundly grateful to them for giving us the time we needed to prosecute this case. They have shown the world what grace and class 
and courage really look like. Although a verdict alone cannot end their pain, I hope it's another step on the long path toward healing for them. There's no replacing your beloved Perry or Floyd, as his friends called him, but he is the one who sparked a worldwide movement, and that's important. We owe our thanks to the men and women of the jury who gave many hours of their time and attention to carefully listening to the evidence, weighing the facts, rendering a verdict. They are regular people from all walks of life, a lot like that bouquet of, of humanity on that corner on May 25th and in that courtroom. They answered the call and they served in a landmark trial. They now deserve to return to their lives. If they ask you to respect their privacy, we ask you to honor that request. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden spoke out yesterday. Biden says he's been in steady contact with George Floyd's family. I've come to know George's family, uh, not just uh, on the passing. I've spent time with him. I uh, spent time with his little daughter, Gianna. You should see this beautiful child. Uh, and uh, his brother, both brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, so uh, um, I, I can only imagine the pressure and anxiety they're feeling. Uh, and so uh, I waited till the jury was sequestered. And, uh, and I called, and as uh, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but Thelonious uh, you know, said today on television, and he accurately said it was a private conversation because uh, uh, Joe understands what it's like to go through loss. And um, they're a good family, and they're calling for peace and tranquility, no matter what that verdict is. Praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that unless the, the jury was sequestered now, not hear me say that. But so we, we just talked to them. I want to know how they were doing, just personally, and we talked about personal things. And that was President Biden yesterday. The White House press secretary says Biden is expected to speak on the verdict today. And in a tweet, former President Barack Obama wrote, Today, a jury did the right thing, but true justice requires much more. Michelle and I send our prayers to the Floyd family, and we stand with all those who are committed to guaranteeing every American the full measure of justice that George and so many others have been denied. And Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted moments ago, that a family had to lose a son, brother, and father, that a teenage girl had to film and post a murder, that millions across the country had to organize and march just for George Floyd to be seen and valued is not justice. And this verdict is not a substitute for policy change. We'll be keeping very close tabs on this story as the program continues. Meanwhile, in New York, an article on the news site ProPublica says whatever the verdict in Minnesota, the case is an anomaly. Eric Umansky is author of What Police Impunity Looks Like. There was no discipline as no wrongdoing was found. It's about the response to the police killing two years ago of an unarmed black man in the Bronx, Kawaki, Kawaski Trawick, a dancer and artist, unarmed with no complaints against him. 
NYPD cops entered his apartment, and 112 seconds later, the black man was dead, shot by a white cop as his black partner tried to stop him. The NYPD says no crime was committed. Eric Umansky is deputy managing editor of ProPublica. Civilian Complaint Review Board that has modest powers. It says it's independent, um, but the reality is that it relies on NYPD cooperation. The NYPD often doesn't give it, and fundamentally, it has no power to impose discipline. It's the police commissioner that makes all decisions about discipline, and it's unreviewable. In this instance, the NYPD didn't put out any information for more than a year and a half. It refused to put out footage of the incident for that time. It only did so haltingly after others had done so. I decided at the two-year anniversary of this case simply to check in with the NYPD and find out if they had finally made a decision on discipline. They told me they did, that the officers had done nothing wrong and that there would be no discipline. This is for a case of a guy who was shot in his own home. Uh, He had been alone. He had not committed any obvious crime. And an officer shot him 112 seconds after he arrived at the door. With the other officer almost begging him not to shoot. Right. So this is a white officer who shot Kowalski Trawick, who's black, and the white officer's partner, who was black and far more experienced, had repeatedly tried to stop him from first using a taser and then shooting him. I mean, he said, no, 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 don't. He pushed the officer's his partner's gun down briefly, and none of it mattered. Uh, the white officer killed Trawick anyway, and then the NYPD has decided it's all fine. Is this a problem with the police or is just society can't get around the fact that black people are fighting for equal rights? The answer to that is probably yes and yes. There is a clear pattern in terms of who gets killed by the police. And there's a clear pattern in society in terms of whose lives are valued. And I I think those things are intertwined. The answer to this is not really in more training or even a better CCRB or all the things trotted out as what we have to do in the past. It's, it's come to a point right now, with, especially with this trial, with the jury uh, looking at the uh, George Floyd trial. Right. One of the experts I spoke to told me is that he's investigated a lot of police departments. And he said in every police department where there's a pattern of things like this, which is not all police departments, he said there is a broken accountability process. And so whatever larger reimagining in terms of police roles, the simple question of accountability is critical. So it's key to put somebody in jail for doing this, that Chauvin, Officer Chauvin, get convicted of murder. It has certainly happened regularly, and it is certainly the case that officers rarely end up not only convicted, rarely end up prosecuted, and often, as in the case I just detailed with Trawick, often don't end up punished at all. And that was Eric Umansky. He's deputy managing editor of ProPublica. His article today is titled, This is what police impunity looks like. There was no discipline as no wrongdoing was found. It's in on ProPublica, ProPublica.org. What police, um, and you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. 
Throughout the United States, today, April 20th, is a day for potheads to gather and celebrate their love of ganja, herb, herb, weed, cannabis, muggles, Mary Jane, and a hundred other names. Today in New York City, it was the first 420 celebration since Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a law legalizing pot in New York City. And in Union Square Park, activists celebrated by handing out 2,000 free marijuana joints to anyone who can prove they've been vaccinated against the COVID-19 virus. Longtime New York City pot activist Dana Beal says his joints for jabs is meant to get more people in New York City vaccinated against COVID while enjoying the new legal marijuana. The first one was June 1st, 1967, the first Grateful Dead concert. And there'd been actually some rioting going on because uh, the New York City police arrested War Resisters League having a picnic. And that led to people being really upset because they dragged a pregnant woman across the iron fence. So anyway, there was just a bunch of confused stuff and a bunch of kids came in from like Connecticut to support the hippies and they ran into the local Puerto Ricans who didn't want their turf invaded. So we figured out both sides smoke prodigious quantities of weed. So by the end of the summer, the hippies were bringing it in from California and it was selling in the park for $10 an ounce. (laughs) So how many events have you organized or been to in New York where marijuana was actually fully and totally and completely legal? We're not done yet. Yeah, it's good that we're able to thank Andrew Cuomo by supporting his vaccination drive. We're doing joints or jabs because we got to like crank up uh, excitement for May 1st, which is right around the corner. It's like a week and a half from now, and it's the annual pot parade is happening again, right? But people don't know that it's happening. If they got their vaccination card and they can prove it, they're getting a joint. That's the least we can do. Paul, you know the pot. People don't want it after a certain. It's perfectly good pot, but they want green, fresh pot. Legalization is going to lead to a lot of free marijuana. And I hope that they give the pot that's still good, but can't be sold because it isn't like just chock full of like trichomes and terpenes, right? That that good, still usable pot will go to medical patients for no cost. May 1st, it's back. Last year we walked down with five people you remember you took a picture everything else was virtual we still had a live event with five people and this year we're going to have a live event with 200 people the cops called us up and told us they want us to do it joints for jabs man pot is as american as apple pie it always was it was richard nixon and those people who were against it Pot activist Dana Beal, May 1st, is the traditional marijuana parade in New York. It begins at Herald Square at noon and marches to Union Square Park. And folks, in the long line of many, many people, I heard when I left, uh, it was almost a thousand joints had been given out. Stretcher blocks. It's stretcher blocks. And they gave their reasons for coming. You know, I was incarcerated, so I, t- I take it very seriously. The more people, the better. I approve of it. Love it. Promotes vaccines. Are you enjoying the fact that marijuana is legal in New York City? No. Gonna take all the fun out of it. So what do you think of joints for jabs? Awesome idea. 
Fantastic, man. What's important about this? Public health and lack of criminalization for something that is a good societal good, right? That's we'll give it. What do you think of joints for jams? I think it's a good idea. Uh, I think it's encouraging people to get vaccinated, which is something they should all be doing. Obviously, yes. <laughs> what do you think of all this? Let's go for it. I love it. Huh? Why do you think it's important? To me, to get this shit under control, I'm tired of it. I want to be able to enjoy my life, and I can't do that until everybody's on the same page. So I got to still move responsibly, and you know, but I appreciate it. Good looking. I think it's a very good idea to get people to encourage people to get their vaccinations. We need to vaccinate everyone. Right. The joint's a bonus. <laughs> and a couple of health workers from a nearby clinic out to enjoy the sun say joints for jabs is a great idea. I think it's a great idea. It's a great incentive and it's a great way to get people to go out and get vaccinated. You notice that they have these anti-vax people come here every day. You might notice and they protest against vaccination and masks here every day. So that's why they're here. Mm -hmm. They're not going to let them do that again today. I like that. I like that. I think that's a great idea. Put your stand and stand where people are going against it and just I think it's just great that they're spreading um, awareness on how great the vaccine is. And Are vaccinations important? Of course they are. They're saving our lives right now. You can see it in the statistics. And for anyone that has anything else to say about it, I mean, just look at the science. And the proprietor of a rolling paper company who makes rolling papers as a fundraiser for Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, the legalization group of lawyers has been trying to get pot legalized for 50 years, says his life has been changed. What joints for jabs is uh, it's the yippies and act up and normal and all these people have been doing for 50 years. And it's 420, the first 420 after legalization. You know, we got the Marijuana Regulation and Tax Act passed on March 31st. And the governor signed it like before everybody woke up. Literally that Friday, it was law. Certain timetables have kicked off and certain immediate effects have taken already. And one of them is you can hand out joints to your friends. I'm taking the train in on the Long Island Railroad with a joint in my pocket like I always have for the last 50 years. But it wasn't illegal. <laughs> and so I'm going back home at the end of the day and I'm across from Penn Station near the post office up against the building smoking a joint like I always have for like 50 years. It also was not illegal. That's what's going on. It's a celebration. It's a beautiful spring day. It's kind of like summer out here. <laughs> the vaccinated potheads got their joint from a man in a green suit with a top hat emblazoned with marijuana leaves. Next victim. Anyone have a card or? Oh, thank you. Lovely. Let me see the bling. Oh, beautiful. All right, Amanda, just fill that second line out with any information that you want to tell us or be notified about. Jabs for joints. Jabs for joints. We have T-shirts for sale if you want to help the cause. Joints for jabs. Step right up. Show us your vaccination record card or digital media card. I'm sorry, I was babbling and didn't notice that you filled it all out already. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, puppy. You want to sign in? Give us your print. Beautiful dog. Ah, thank you so much. Thanks to Curved Rolling Papers, curvedpapers.com for supporting the event. You buy a t-shirt, you get a free sticker. Next person, please step up, show your vaccination proof or card. Oh, digital. I got my second one on. Oh, it's not. All right, just fill that out for me, please, and make sure you check the boxes to anything you want us to notify you about. You got a nice longie there. 
We did longies and shorties. When you're done smoking that joint, I need to put you on a mission. Oh. I love these barcode things, man. The kids are so hip today. You kids are so hip. And joins for jabs in Union Square Park, celebrating 420 and promoting the May 1st Pot March, a New York City tradition for more than 50 years. And in New York City, more than 500 people marched from Tompkins Square Park to East River Park. They were rallying to stop a city plan to demolish the 55-acre park and raise it by eight feet to control flooding, as happened during Superstorm Sandy in 2012. On the way, they marched to the home of council member Carlina Rivera, who supports the project, and held a die-in in the street. Chief of the Lenape people, the native tribe of Delaware Indians who named the land Manahata, Island of Hills, is Daniel Strongwater Thomas. The Lenape people are the original aboriginal inhabitants of this land. All of this belonged to the Lenape people in a good way. We were the stewards of this land before colonization and before the empires and, and, and white power and other powers came here to take over. And we're grateful that the people are coming out to defend the land. In the upcoming Democratic primary for the District 2 City Council seat, all except one of Rivera's opponents, Erin Hussein, were knocked off the ballot by operatives of Rivera's club called CODA, Coalition for a District Alternative. Hussein described her fight, her political fight, to stay on the ballot and avoid a one-party state on the Lower East Side. Yes, I am the only one that survived the challenge, um, and and I, I even hate that phrase because it makes it sound like there was some gauntlet that I had to run. Um, you know, I stepped up. I said I'm going to challenge Carlina. I got hundreds of signatures of people in my neighborhood who are voters who voted in the last presidential election. Um, they all wanted me on the ballot. I mean, I shouldn't have to run any more gauntlet than that. Like, that should be enough. It is possible to win in this neighborhood without CODA support. Um, I also, I'm, I don't view any group as monolithic. Aaron Hussein is challenging incumbent Carlina Rivera for the city council seat on the Lower East Side. As the speeches began at the Park Amphitheater, a modern open back shell overlooking the East River, an organizer laid bare the protest's motivations. They say it's protection, that they're going to destroy the park to protect it. We know it's development. That's the only thing the de Blasio administration has been doing. And Carlina Rivera, our counselor, has betrayed us. She's in favor of development, too. While another organizer echoed the sentiment. They don't care about us. They want this land. They want Daniel's land. They want to take it again. We demand a truly resilient plan. They are trying to justify a $1.45 billion plan that is only temporary. That's too short, according to their own sea level rise projections. This used to be wetland. We need these strong roots of these trees. We need wetlands. We need decking over the FDR. We need a plan that works with the sea as we work on climate change. Climate justice is racial justice. 
And finally, George Floyd family attorney Penn Crump just spoke moments ago in Minneapolis outside the courthouse where we discovered just a short time ago that the officer charged with murder in the killing of George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, has been convicted, found guilty of all charges, including murder, that were leveled against him. We're going to go now to a few moments of Attorney Crump. Let's pause for a moment to proclaim this historical moment, not just for the legacy of George Floyd, but for the legacy of America. The legacy of trying to make America for all Americans. So that George Floyd's victory and America's quest for equal justice under the law would be intertwined. America, let's frame this moment as a moment where we finally are getting close to living up to our Declaration of Independence, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equally, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that amongst them are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Where America, that means all of us, that means black people, that means Hispanic people, that means native people, that means Asian people, that means all of us, America. We frame this moment for all of us, not just for George Floyd. This is a victory for those who champion humanity over inhumanity, those who champion justice over injustice, those who champion morals over immorality. America, let's lean into this moment and let's make sure, Reverend Al, that this moment will be documented for our children yet unborn as they continue on the journey to justice, knowing that the blood of George Floyd will give them a trail to find a way to a better America, a more just America, a more just America where Breonna Taylor gets an opportunity to sleep in peace at night without the police busting in her front door, a more just America where Maude Aubrey gets to run free and not be lynched for jogging while black. A more just America, where Jacob Blake and Anthony McClain and Walter Scott and Laquan McDonald and all these other black men, Terrence Crutcher, who was shot in the back while running away like Dante Wright was just a week ago, because for some reason, black men running away from the police is more dangerous than young white men who commit mass murders and walk towards the police with an assault weapon, Reverend Bryant, like Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Wow. America, let this be the precedent. Yes. 
Let this be the precedent where we live up to the high ideals and the promises when we say liberty and justice for all. Those sun-kissed children are included in all. Those children who overcame slavery, the Middle Passage, the Dred Scott decision, Plessy v. Ferguson, Jim Crow, and his much smarter, wiser son, Jim Crow Jr. Esquire. Let this be the precedence where we overcome systematic racism and oppression and that we are a better people and we will leave our children a better world, a better world for us all. And that was attorney, George Floyd family attorney, Ben Crump. And as celebrations uh, broke out all over Minneapolis, the sounds of power to the people were heard here in New York City as hundreds gathered in Union Square to celebrate Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict. And to recap the news, a Minneapolis, Minnesota jury returned guilty verdicts for the white former police officer charged with murder in the killing of George Floyd. Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, listened with, uh, without expression as Judge Peter Cahill announced guilty verdicts in the charges of secondary unintentional murder, third-degree depraved mind murder, and second-degree manslaughter in the explosive case that triggered worldwide protests, violence, and a coming to terms with racism in the United States. And that's some of the news for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. The news was produced with Linda Perry and many other people joining us from WPFW, Eskia Muhammad, the news director there, and others. Our engineer, Reggie Johnson, did an incredibly yeoman's job, as usual, pulling this all together. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thank you for listening.